0: Hello and welcome to the newest edition of Everyday Martial Artist Podcast. I'm your host, Brian and New episodes every week with a brand new martial artist telling their story and their background in the martial arts. And today's guest uh, is kind of an interesting one. Uh, she's, a, she's a blogger. Uh, she's an author. She writes a blog called Little Black Belt. She has a book called Kicking and Screaming, which we'll talk about a little later. And she's uh, involved in martial arts and has kind of an interesting story to tell. So looking forward to this one. And welcome to the show, Melanie Gibson. How are you doing today?
1: Hi, Brian. I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Well,
0: thank you for agreeing to it. So kind of with, with all my guests, what we do is uh, we, we like to start at the beginning and talk about that very first time in your life where you uh, saw martial arts or became interested in martial arts and then kind of what led you to get involved. And in if you kind of want to just take us through that story a little bit. Okay.
1: So to do that, we have to go back in time to about 1989 or 1990 in a little West Texas town called Snyder and it's 90 miles from everywhere and nowhere. So it's, it's between Lubbock and Abilene. Those are the largest cities that are, that are clo- the closest to it. And I grew up out there and at some point around the time I was about 10, I told my parents I wanted to learn karate. I don't remember why I've dug into my brain and I, I can't remember what sparked that, but I remember very clearly telling my parents, I wanna learn karate. I don't know if I'd even seen the karate kid at that point. Oh, wow. And I wasn't really an athletic kid. I wasn't really into dolls and girly stuff, but I wasn't really a tomboy. I was a very good swimmer. So that's really the only sport that I excelled at. And I mostly just like to read and draw. So, um, but for some reason, very clearly in my mind, I said, I wanna learn karate. Now there wasn't a karate school in Snyder and they weren't going to drive me 90 miles to Lubbock or Abilene a couple of times a week. There happened to be a Taekwondo school and it was run by a very nice married couple. And they'd had that established for a couple of years. And we went to watch a class and it was magical. I fell in love instantly. And so we trained as a family. My mom and dad and brother and I did that for a couple of years. And uh, like a small town, if there's an activity, about half the town is involved. So you have a, a nice sense of community. Our family doctor was there. Everybody in town trained there. And so we had something to do. It was something to look forward to. And I loved it, except I really started to hate Sparring, And it wasn't so much that I was afraid of getting hit. It was that I was a very self-conscious, perfectionist child. And um, that doesn't work well for sparring when it's kind of chaotic and, and you just have to improvise and, and, you know, trust your instincts. And I didn't trust my instincts. And so I began to dread that. And we stopped when I was about 12. And at the real, there was really no particular reason why I had started junior high. Um, my dad got a job that was more demanding of his time. Uh, we had a, a pretty significant death in the family. So we went through a couple of changes and we just stopped going. And so I kind of locked that as a away as a nice thing that I enjoyed as a child, but never really thought about getting back to until I was about 33. And at that time I'd gone through lots of things in life, gone to school, gotten a job, bought a house, you know, done all the things you think you're supposed to do as an adult, but I was struggling with pretty severe mental illness. And I was already seeking treatment through a therapist and a psychiatrist. And that was getting me to a a decent baseline where I wasn't in danger of anything, but I was still pretty miserable, making bad choices with relationships not having a a pretty negative outlook. And I needed something drastic to get me out of my head, get me out of that funk I was in. And so I thought, well, why not Taekwondo? So I thought, okay. And and I was looking on the internet, seeing where I could go. And and at this time I was living in Fort Worth, Texas, which is part of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. So you have many more options than just Mm -hmm. a taekwondo school out in West Texas. And I discovered that the grandmaster who oversaw my Snyder instructor's school had his school in Fort Worth about five miles from where I lived. And I remembered him coming to our tests. So You'd have this this stern-looking Korean man at your test glaring at you and <laughs> and intimidating you. And then he'd turn around and write our names in Korean on our uniform. And he was he was very nice and very funny. Um, but he used to come to our tournaments, he, he supported our school. And uh, I later learned that they, they took their students to his Fort Worth school for black belt tests. And so anyway, I, I noticed that he was there and thought, well, my search is over. This is this has got to be a one in a million chance. So I, I kind of did the same thing. I went to watch a class, although I ended up chatting with him most of the time. And I started training and I started over as a white belt. I wanted a, a fresh start in, in more ways than one. I needed just a fresh start in my life. I didn't really remember enough. It'd been 20 years since I trained Taekwondo. So I I wanted to start all over with the techniques. So I I started over as a white belt and then um, eventually got my first degree black belt and later my second degree black belt. So that's been my start and stop and start again journey of Taekwondo.
0: Back up a little towards the beginning there. So you you mentioned you fell in love with it. What was it about it that made you fall in love with it? What, What did you really, really enjoy about it when you first started as a child?
1: Oh, I think there were a couple of things. It was the excitement of all the the movement of doing something active. I liked the discipline of it. Um, I've never wanted to be in the military, but maybe I would have done well had I been in the military because I'm a pretty structured, organized person. And I liked that. I liked the organization and the discipline of it. Um, I think I liked the variety of what I saw. They, of course, they did kicks, uh, but they were doing self-defense. They were doing takedowns. They were doing punching. Uh, they were doing forms. And so I think it was just so new. I'd never seen anything like it before. I was kind of aware of what, you know, in quotes, karate was in martial arts the way most lay people are. It's, yeah. it's, it's knife hands, and it's kicking and punching, and that's about it. And that's all most people know about it. So it was like this whole new world opened up to me. And when I got into it, I discovered I I really loved the mind-body connection of it. I didn't know what that was when I was 10, but I I realized that later as I got into things like dance and college and and started doing yoga when I was 18, that the the mind-body connection was really special, um, especially with things like forms and uh, with things like self-defense. I grew to kind of have a love-hate relationship with sparring later. I came to appreciate that as an adult. I think it's fun now. It's, it's, sometimes it's a little nerve-wracking and scary, but it's a lot more fun than it is scary. So I, I appreciated that, that later with a more mature mind.
0: See, I'm the same with sparring. My my first uh, taekwondo instructor when I was in college it just drilled it, and, and that's all he cared about was sparring, and it actually made me hate it completely. And you know, luckily when I switched schools, I had another one. You know, he was into sparring. We did tournaments and stuff, but he didn't force it on you. So I think I, I enjoyed it more when it was more of a choice instead of forced upon me. A few years later, so yeah, I was I, I was and I was always more of a fan of teaching other people to do it. I didn't want to do the competition myself. So yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> I kind of see same where with, you're coming from. <laughs> yeah, same with me. And I ended up doing some coaching when I was a black belt. And and uh, I, I liked doing that more. Tournaments are kind of a, a nightmare anyway. They're a logistical nightmare and they, yes. they are 12 hour, 14 hour days. So I don't miss that. But what I liked about coaching is that you always learn something. When you're teaching something, you really have to think about what you're teaching. And you see, you have these realizations of, oh, okay, I, I could try this far in combination later on. But um, I think there needs to be a good mix, just my my personal opinion about training martial arts is Um, You see the factions split off of traditional Taekwondo and then Olympic sparring. Mm -hmm. And I like it when there's a mix. Um, I think you need to do a little bit of everything to get the comprehensive toolbox of a Taekwondo practitioner and and, and other martial artists who do different styles may agree or disagree. But, you know, even if you're into doing Pumse and self-defense and things like that, you need to practice sparring because there's no better way to apply what you're learning than having to do it on the spot in uh, it's not choreographed. it's it's not pre-programmed. You just have to react. So, and, and the people who do sparring, I think you need some of that traditional background too for technique training.
0: Yeah. I've been lucky enough that, you know, the instructor I've been with since 1994, is, it's it's, the, it's a nice blend of traditional and the sport and he does tournaments, but he also mixes in Hapkido and grappling and boxing mm, stuff. So mm-hmm. it's, it's a nice mixture of, it's it's not, we call it traditional Taekwondo, but, you know, from the outside, it doesn't look like most other Taekwondo schools, which is kind of nice. Mm-hmm. So in that 20-year break you took there, now, at any time in those 20 years, did martial arts ever cross your mind, or you just, once you quit, you thought you were done with it forever?
1: Once I quit, I thought I was done. I did things like kickboxing aerobics at the gym, and that was fun, but I never, ever thought about going back to it, and it wasn't because, oh, no, they'd make me spar again. I just thought that was something fun I did as a kid, but I just wasn't interested and, you know, we can we can grow and change with our hobbies and our interests over time. Um, I used to play piano, and I don't really remember how to do it anymore. I don't really miss it. That was something that was pleasant and I enjoyed. Um, I've moved on to other things. And I thought taekwondo was just one of those things that I, I picked up and put down until I got back into it and realized What a positive force it could be in my life.
0: So, what was it about your first instructor uh, that kind of stood out? I know that's one thing. uh, Maybe you haven't had as many, but I know me over the years, different styles and stuff. I've I probably trained with over twenty different instructors. What What was it that stood out about that first instructor? What are some things you remember um, that that really kind of you know maybe put a smile on your face or you really appreciated about that first instructor you had?
1: My first instructors were very kind people. They're they're good-hearted people. I'm still in touch with them today. Uh, In fact. My, my childhood instructor came to my first degree black belt test, and he was one of my board holders. So um, that yes. was that was nice. I mean, they were great with kids. They were great with families. Um, but they still had the discipline of a martial arts school. You know, if you were late, you had to do knuckle push-ups. Yeah. You had to say, yes, sir, and yes, ma'am. But they were always so kind. And it was kind of funny, because right before I started, a, a childhood friend of mine took it upon herself to warn me and uh, kind of bully me about getting into Taekwondo of, of what a waste of time and money it would be. And she said, Oh, Melanie, they're going to kick you and, and break your leg and, and punch you and hit you, you know, like, wait, like what you might see in the movie. She's probably thought I was going to Sensei crease at Cobra Kai. <laughs> That's right. And I was just like, no, they're nice. I've met them. That's not what's going to happen. But she said, she just couldn't take no for an answer. So I knew what was up. I knew they were good people. And that's what I that's what I like about a good teacher is if they can be strict when it comes to the technique, but they are good hearted people is that they don't uh, they don't embarrass people. They don't humiliate people. They're just as respectful toward their students as they expect the students to be respectful toward them.
0: Nice. So kind of walk us through, you know, after you got back into it, because of everything going on in your life, just kind of walk us through that process. What, you know, what really made you decide to go back and, and what, what have you gotten out of it the second time around?
1: So the second time around, I was at an emotional rock bottom. Um, again, I was, I looked like I had it together from the outside. And I think that's just the mental illness masking itself with perfectionism so owned a home have a couple of degrees have a decent career and so I looked like on the surface with all the material things that I had my act together and I and I that my defense mechanism is to pretend that I do but I was just crumbling inside I was lonely I was depressed uh, my anxiety was out of control Um, I was seeking validation through other people. I had no self-love or self-worth. And so, especially with romantic relationships, I'd get into these situations where I would just chase these poor guys and basically demand that they, they love me and worship me. And of course, no, one's going to stick around very long for that. So that was always a disaster. And so when I got back into Taekwondo, one of the things was it's just a good distraction. Mm -hmm. It gave me something to do for a couple of hours every, every few days. And so just getting me out of my lonely situation at home and then being so different from just kind of my, my boring cor- corporate workday, was a shock to my system. So there was that, that it's, it's a great distraction. It gives you something else to focus on besides all the things that are swirling around in your head. Mm-hmm. And then also it wakes up a part of your brain. Anytime you learn something new it gives you a focus. It's like exercising a new muscle, whether you're learning a new language or you are learning how to knit or you're learning a musical instrument or learning how to cook. It stimulates your mind. And I think that was something that I, I realized in hindsight that I needed is that it gave me something new to learn. And you have all these mini goals that you set for yourself in a martial art. And so that was helpful too, is that you could me- measure your progress and have things to look forward to, and it also gave me a sense of community. And I'm a pretty introverted person, and I, I don't mind not having people around me. Let's just let's just say with the pandemic <laughs> and masking and everything, I was I was doing just fine, <laughs> just fine social distancing. Uh, I still like to social distance, even though we're kind of coming out of this pandemic. But I I needed that sense of community. And it was nice because I I felt like I wasn't putting on a facade or a mask with the people I trained with. I wasn't asking something of them. So I wasn't, you know, demanding that they love me back the way I did with my poor ex-boyfriends. It was just a very honest, pure relationship, is that there there was give and take. They gave to me and I wanted to give back in return. That's why I got into coaching and teaching because I just I loved it so much that. I wanted to share it with other people and that makes you feel really good. Nice,
0: so coming at it from two different ways, now you you came back to it as an adult, you started over as a white belt. What did you see differently, like with some of the same techniques you learned as a kid? I mean, obviously, you may not remember everything from 20 years prior, but you did it for a few years. I'm sure it was in there somewhere in your head. But what what, what, how did you see it differently as an adult versus a kid?
1: I think as an adult, you can intellectualize the technique. And I really became a technique nerd. I love being a mechanic and a technique nerd. And as a kid, and what, I, what I've seen when I've taught kids is that it's a lot of mimicry. It's, it's you know, they see something and kids are pretty good mimics. They, they mime what they see. And they're not necessarily thinking about why they're doing a certain movement or um, the, the mind-body connection part of it. Now, there are, not to say that kids can't be really, really good at martial arts, because I've seen it. I've seen kids mm-hmm. that are, you know, miles better than I'll, I'll ever be. But that, that's just a natural talent. And I think with an adult, I liked what it made me thinking about. And I liked learning technique and I liked the mechanics of it and the why behind it. And maybe it's because I've had dance training since, you know, training as a kid and training as an adult or I've done yoga but I liked the functionality of it. That's why I think with uh, with forms, when my my favorite instructor used to teach forms, and I would I used to teach forms, would yell at people that they have to be strong because you're hitting somebody when you're doing a form. I don't care if you don't see them, is that your your technique there is just as important as when you're fighting. So. I think as an adult, back to being a technique nerd, that's what I really liked about it was that it's functional and it looks beautiful at the same time.
0: Oh, you mentioned dance. I know mo- most uh, people I've known in martial arts that also have dance backgrounds. You can tell. I mean, it, it's <laughs> that's definitely, they, they go well together. Dance and gymnastics go very well with martial arts, I think.
1: Yeah, I think so. And I remember using a certain type of ballet jump to help me figure out how to do a <laughs> Flying turning back kicks. like nice. a lot of people like they're complicated kicks, and I just couldn't get the turning motion down. So I thought, okay, I still remember how to do a tour jeté from ballet. And so I used that motion and it did that until I could do kind. I'm still not very good at that kick, but until I could get the motion down and get it into my body, is that I use that and and uh Doing forms, I, I was just talking about this actually with a friend. We were watching a, a dance movie because that's one of my guilty pleasures. Nice. And I said I could I could tell by the way the actress was looking down at the floor, and and you couldn't you could see this the kind of self consciousness in her eyes, is that she wasn't able to focus and express with her eyes. And I used to get on people when they did forms, and when they're looking down at the ground, and you know they've got their brow or they're concentrating is that you can't see the confidence in their face. In fact, there was one poor kid. This is a great thing to do to a teenage boy. <laughs> I chased him around. Every time he ch- he uh, pivoted and changed directions, I made him look me straight in the eye. I said, you're going to focus on my face every time you turn in this form because I want to see, because his, his arms and his legs look great. His head looked like Eeyore. So said, <laughs> so we're going to have good technique in our face too. And that's where my dance training comes in. <laughs>
0: And that's huge. Judges look for that, especially in competition. They do. I mean, i, yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I judge was, many times and if they're looking down, they, they lose a point.
1: Yeah. He was practicing for a tournament. Oh. So I thought, Oh no, we're going to go, we're not going to just look good from the neck down. We're going to look good all the way up.
0: I remember back in the nineties, my instructor had one, one student doing form who just could not concentrate any, any little sound she turned her head. So he had me purposely try to make her laugh during her form for like, oh, for funny. like six weeks before the <laughs> tournament. He's like, until you can do this without him making you laugh, you're not competing. <laughs> and oh, that's awesome. I, I'd, I'd jump in front of her and make faces, and finally she got to the point where she could completely ignore me, and I think she ended up getting first or second in the tournament, so it helps. A <laughs> couple of things I want to get into, but f- first thing, now, going back to w- first when you were a kid, can you think of anything you learned back then that over those 20 years, maybe subconsciously you didn't realize, but that it helped you? in your adult life, or maybe you, you didn't even realize that, hey, this is something I learned It maybe you, when you got back into it 20 years later, you realized, hey, this is something I learned 20 years ago, and I've actually used this in my everyday life for 20 years and didn't realize it.
1: Well, that's a really good question. I think something that was reawakened was self-reliance and self-confidence that I hadn't experienced since Taekwondo. Now, again, back to all these materialistic superficial accomplishments, yeah, mm-hmm. that takes some kind of ambition and confidence. but it was always for it was always a means to an end. You know, I have to finish college so I can get a job. I have to get a job so I can make money and pay for uh, a mortgage and I have to have a house so I can have a roof over my head. And it was always, you know, all these reasons behind it, all these things you're chasing in a martial art, it's much more internal and contemplative. The the self-confidence is that I was doing it for myself. Yeah. You get praise and everything when you, and it's exciting to get to the end of your belt test and get a new belt, but you're, you're really not doing it for anybody else. You're doing it for yourself. And that was something, it was kind of like drawing that which, which I was loved to do. I was very passionate about, but I wasn't doing it for anybody else's approval. I wasn't seeking praise for it. I just did it because I loved doing it so much. And I liked seeing myself achieve and improve my skills with either drawing or with Taekwondo. And when I got back into Taekwondo, I had that same feeling again of just self-reliance on enjoying doing something for the sake of doing it, not to impress anybody not even to get in better shape or anything like that, it was just enjoying it for the sake of doing it, just enjoying the journey.
0: I like that, that's cool. So first of all, which came first, the, the blog? I'm assuming the blog came before the book?
1: Yes, it did. I started my blog, Little Black Belt, in 2014, and I I went through a couple of different titles. Now I kind of wish I'd called it One Diva, but too late. (laughs) That's okay. I I did it as an homage to the Little Black Dress because, you know, Black Belt's a really great accessory. Well,
0: maybe that can be your podcast name if you start your own podcast.
1: Maybe, maybe. (laughs) I have said I didn't want to do a podcast, but I've been a guest on a few, and I think this is pretty fun. Maybe I could do one. So we'll see. You never know what could happen in the future. So I started the blog very quietly. I didn't tell anybody about it, but I did it because I was having all these insights and realizations that I could, I had to get out of my head. I I couldn't write them down fast enough to get them out of my head, like kind of like a writing exorcism. I'd been journaling for about two years. Finally, uh, my therapist was begging me and begging me to do it. Finally, she gave me a little journal and said, here, do something with this. And so I had already discovered the power of journaling is that writing about your feelings, your thoughts and things that happen to you can help you get a very objective view of what's going on in your life. And you start to notice habits and patterns and behaviors. And you you notice things that are working for you and you notice things that maybe you need to change. So I'd already had that ingrained habit of observing and writing. And so with Taekwondo, I just thought, I I cannot get this out of my head fast enough. So I started the blog and I was mm, maybe a, a green belt or a blue belt at the time or a red belt. I can't remember. It was my color belt years. And I just started writing about it. And that's how that started. And the next year, I thought, you know, I think I have an interesting story for a memoir in, in two different ways. And in one, it's a unique story in that you don't hear about a lot of women in their 30s and 40s getting into a martial art. So, so that's a little different. Um, I don't think it's that unique. I kind of forget that it's, it's cool that I'm 41 years old and do taekwondo until somebody else reminds me. But, but that's a unique story. And then also, it's a very common story. One in five adults in the United States has some kind of mental health condition. It's very common and yet it's still taboo. There's still a stigma. We still don't talk about it. And not everybody is in a mental hospital. Not everybody attempts suicide. There are people like me who are just trying to get by. We're functioning just enough to pay our bills, do our jobs, feed our families, and get by, that doesn't necessarily mean we're happy or doesn't necessarily mean we're doing the mental health thing, right? It just means that's the best way we know to survive. So a lot of people are suffering in silence. And I I wanted to reach out to people like that to say, hey, you're not alone. And then also I found something that works for me. I don't want to proselytize. So I don't want to say that martial arts is the key for everybody else, but maybe inspire people to pick up a new hobby or to pick up a new skill and kind of get lost in that and and help them see another way of living and help them and help them give them an outlet to find something positive to focus on whether it's a martial art or whether it's something else
0: so now you said you you started the the blog kind of quietly so then how long did it take before people started noticing it i mean did did you Just did people start coming to you and saying, Hey, I've read this and you were kind of surprised or did you finally decide to start promoting it?
1: I started promoting it. I finally told the person I was dating at the time and, and I told my parents and then I started promoting it on Facebook and it's never had a huge readership, but um, I've, I've appreciated the comments I've gotten from people. Sometimes there have been some posts that have been really meaningful for certain people. And, and, you know, even just one person saying, Hey, this meant a lot to me or, Hey, I'm going through this too. That means a lot. That's, that's really special. Um, My parents have always been really good supporters of it. I know at least if I put a blog post out that, that two people are going to look at it and those people do people are related to me, but that's okay. (laughs) It's nice to have the support from anybody.
0: Right. And then what about the book? How has that been received? When did, when did that come out?
1: That just came out in in April 20th was the official release date. Oh, brand new. So uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's fairly recent and so far i think it's been received well i haven't looked at sales i haven't looked at reviews not because i don't appreciate it it's because i'm i'm really sensitive and i'm too chicken to look at it <laughs> so i i know it's happening and i appreciate it very much and reviews are a really great way to help along a book that you like so you know if you if you read it and you like it please leave a review i will look at them eventually Um, but I think it's been received well. I've been, I've written several articles. I've been on podcasts. I've gotten feedback from people who said um, it helped them. And that means a lot to me. And, And really what means a lot to me is not so much the martial arts part is that people who aren't martial artists can connect with it. So I gave it as a gift to somebody who knows me. And she said she'd been through some of the, some of the things I talk about in there, like an eating disorder, an abusive relationship and mental health issues. And she said she could really connect with it and not feel so alone and and she enjoyed seeing my growth through it so there's some hope too and wow. and that's what i like i hope the martial artists will get something out of it too and i, I do add enough about taekwondo that they won't be bored and they'll recognize mm-hmm. technique and things like that but I, I i think a sign of a good memoir is that anybody can pick it up whether they're interested in your particular topic or not Anybody can pick it up and get a good human interest story from it. Right.
0: I know I'm going to be ordering a copy myself for my my teenage daughter. So she was going through some stuff and, and after a few years off, actually approached me and said she wanted to go back into martial arts because of that. So as I'm, I'm, uh, she, I got her Andrea's book and I'm, I already decided I was going to get her a copy of yours too, for her to read. So I'm looking forward to that one. I'll have to read it after her, but <laughs> she'll, she'll get to read it first.
1: Well, thank you. I hope it, it helps her and helps her feel connected to, to somebody. Cause I, I bet we have similar stories.
0: Oh yeah. We listened uh, we were taking a road trip, uh, two weeks ago and listened to your uh, episode of, of Andrea's podcast. So uh, she really enjoyed that. That's when she says she wanted the book. So, Oh, awesome. <laughs> and I'll definitely, I'll put links, uh, in the show notes, to where they can get the book, and I'll put a link to your to your blog and stuff. And one question I had: uh, Now you had mentioned teaching and whatnot. So let's say someone approaches you, whether they they know they're friends with you or maybe themselves or their kids, they want to get involved in martial arts. They want to get their kids involved in martial arts. What are some pointers or some tips you'd give them to look for in an instructor and to look for in a school?
1: Hmm. That's a good question. I think it has multiple parts to it. Yeah. First of all, it, it depends on where you live and and what's available. So it's, it's what you have available in the Dallas Fort worth Metroplex is very different than what you have in West Texas, and i probably ask them what what their goals are. And for an adult and a kid, it's probably going to be different goals. Of well, it looks cool, it looks like fun. I want to get my kid into some kind of activity. Some people want to get in better physical shape. Um, some people. There are those people out there who actually wanna learn self-defense. So um, that depends. And, and I would encourage people to go watch a class first and, and see if it's right for them. Or if you are a martial artist, maybe they'll even let you participate. Um, certainly cost is a thing. I'd, I'd be careful with things like, uh, you know, are they gonna rope you into some kind of contract? Mm-hmm. Uh, be careful of the ones that promise a black belt within a certain amount of time, because that's that's not how that works. <laughs> Uh, be, run the other way if they promise a black belt. Um, one time I was at a tournament and there was this this very sweet dopey guy kind of wandering around and he came up to me and he said, hey my instructor says if I train really hard for the next 12 months or so, I can get my black belt. And I said, did he t- tell you to pay extra money too? And this guy was a white belt. So mm-hmm. um, just I was starting to see red flags and I thought, no, <gasps> d- don't make any promises. Is Yeah, you maybe you'll achieve that but you have to put in the work and everything. So Look at you know the times of day, see if it fits with your schedule, and then start to think about things. Are you interested in a striking art? So something like karate or taekwondo, um, are you interested in something that involves some grappling? You know, we could go to the, the kind of the opposite extreme to something like BJJ mm-hmm. or Hopkido is a nice blend. I've, I've done some Hopkido training within my taekwondo school because my, my grandmaster studied some of that. So, so there are lots of things to think about. I, I would kind of get educated on different types of martial arts. And learn because you know everybody knows karate, everybody knows Taekwondo. A lot of people know BJJ now, but I'd, I'd say learn about what's available in your area and see if it meets you know, your physical needs, your financial needs, uh, emotionally. Is this going to be something that's frustrating for you? or is this going to be something that's positive for you? So yeah, it's, I think that's a multi-factored thing.
0: That's good. That's a great answer. So one thing I was going to ask this earlier, and I forgot, but you know, you said you, you teach yourself. So since you started teaching to now, how do you think your teaching style has changed over the last few years?
1: Oh, that's a good question too. I think I've, I've had to learn how to adapt my teaching to the audience. So I come from a corporate training world. So I'm used to teaching adults and I'm used to having conversations with adults on uh, complicated things, on uh, professional things. And I, and I've gotten some feedback from my, my at the time who said, you have to simplify this a bit. So I can't be a technique nerd with an eight-year-old the way I can with maybe a teenager or an adult. So um, you kind of have to take yourself out of the equation and think about who who your audience is and how you have to adapt to them, especially if you have a class of different types of levels. So you have to adapt kind of situationally to, to what that person needs. I've always been, I think a little more soft and maternal compared to some of my other instructors. I do yell, but uh, it's usually done in jest a little bit. I'm not really the scary drill sergeant. So, and I haven't, I haven't taught, I'm kind of retired from that right now. But I wouldn't mind getting back into some, just some light coaching and, and maybe working one-on-one pe- with people. I really like to help people right before they're testing, because mm-hmm. it's not just teaching same old technique and drills. It's really focusing on their goals and some specific things to work on. So maybe that's where I get my technique nerd fix too, is that we, we can work on a specific form or, or one step self-defense so, so I get a little back back too, but I still always like to put it on the student and see what their goals are for long-term learning, and then short-term. You know, what do we need to do in the next couple of months?
0: So now you mentioned being an introvert. So now with with the, the blog being kind of successful and the book coming out, have you been asked yet, or are you th- you know any plans to maybe do some like public speaking about your book?
1: I haven't been asked to do that yet, but I wouldn't say no. Um, as introverted as I am, I'm, I'm pretty good at public speaking. I've done that for my job for about ten oh, years. Okay. Uh, it's exhausting afterwards. It's kind of like a sparring match. I dread it up until the event. And then in the middle of it, I kind of feel euphoric. Like, what was I afraid of? This feels amazing. And then when it's over, I just think, oh, thank God, I never want to do that again. So I would absolutely be on board for some public speaking, talking about martial arts, talking about mental health. I think uh, the nice thing about having a book coming out is that it helps me build a platform to have a conversation about mental health care and, and being more open and honest and advocating for for uh respect and breaking the stigma so yeah, if the opportunity came by, I'd say yes.
0: Cool. Well, I, hopefully it will. It's, it's something I, I never, as a kid, I never thought I'd enjoy doing and, and uh, been lucky enough to be able to do it. And, and I credit it to martial arts. If it wasn't for martial arts, I'd never have the uh, guts to get up there in front of people. So, I mean, 30, 30 years ago myself, I would you could not have paid me to get in front of a crowd. And now I've been on stage in front of 5,000 people and it doesn't phase me. So,
1: yeah. And I think what helps me as a public speaker and what helped me as a taekwondo coach is when you're excited about whatever it is you're teaching, then it's pretty easy to switch on your energy. So whenever I've taught, say, a leadership class for my job, I never think about, oh, look at how smart Melanie is and and look at these, look at how much she knows, because it's not about what I know. It's usually Mm -hmm. facilitating something. And so I always think about, look at this room full of amazing people, and I'm going to show you something that's going to help your life be even better. And I think that that's not really what I'm literally thinking, but that's what I'm feeling when I'm teaching a leadership class or I am uh, teaching some kids how to do their form. I get so excited about the content. If I want to you know, pull out my, my learning <laughs> uh, adult learning terminology there, I'm excited about the content and what I'm teaching and what it can do for people and the benefits it has. And that's when I get excited. And that's when I can really switch on and be a good teacher or a good public speaker.
0: OK, so kind of a few fun questions to wrap it up. And now coming from a traditional martial arts background, what are your thoughts on like the UFC, MMA and things like that, like combat sports?
1: I adore MMA. Really? I love it. Okay. I love watching it. I, I think it's it's probably the most natural evolution of of all the martial <laughs> arts and sports out there. Is is I, I love watching UFC. It's fun to watch as um, as a practitioner because you can kind of feel you know kind of what it feels like. You think about what you might do in that situation, or you really mm-hmm. admire people who are much better than you, than you with a skill. And and for me personally, it's been good uh, mental rehab. I, I tore my ACL in. Mm. July of 2020 and had reconstruction surgery. And that's a major surgery. It takes about a year to a year and a half to fully recover from. And so once I became more mobile and I could think about things beyond being able to drive and stand up in the shower and and walk without crutches and all that part of what's helped me reconnect with my martial art is watching things like UFC fights or the the ultimate fighter house uh, reality show Is that I may not be able to do it right now, but I can watch other people do it and that that switches on that part of my brain. that has been dormant for a while. So that's been good therapy for me is watching martial arts movies, watching Cobra Kai and watching UFC fights.
0: So did you were you a fan of UFC before you got back into martial arts?
1: I've seen it occasionally. Okay. I, I didn't really pay attention to it. Um, I, I didn't really start watching it a little more regularly until I got back into Taekwondo. I um, uh, had a boyfriend who's been interested in it and things like that. Uh, could I tell you my favorite fighter? No, probably not. But <laughs> but I just like watching the the techniques and I, I like watching their training sessions and and, you know, it's just, it's nice to watch a good fight. Yeah,
0: definitely. So do you have a favorite martial arts book? Other than your own?
1: Other than my own. Okay. There aren't too many out there. And and maybe I'm saying that full of ignorance. Maybe there are lots of martial arts books out there, but I, I'm not aware of too many yet. Honestly, I, I haven't really delved into the world of martial arts books as much okay. as I probably could. So I'm, I'm still on the lookout for, for a really good one. I think with martial arts, I've explored more things like the, the visual parts, like the movies and mm-hmm and uh, the fighting. Um, I haven't really read a lot about martial arts. So that, that's a good one. Now, now my grandmaster had written a memoir too, and it's called Grandmaster. And um, that's a very good book. I recommend that. Okay. And you you can read about his story, how he basically escaped from North Korea and, and uh, learned Taekwondo as a kind of a, a refugee in South Korea, taught the US Army and came over to the United States. So it's a really good story of the beginnings or the rebirth of Taekwondo after uh, the Korean War. And it's how it blossomed in the United States. So again, it's called Grandmaster and um, I'd say if, if I couldn't count mine maybe that's my favorite martial arts book.
0: Okay I will check that uh, as, a, as a fellow Taekwondo stylist I, I recommend a book called The Killing Art. It's, it's a I can't remember the exact title I don't have it on my bookshelf next to me right now but it's called like The Killing Art The True History of Taekwondo huh. and it's a very very good read it, it, as long as you go into it with an open mind because it it's actually was very controversial when it came out and, and kind of you know told a different side of the story and stuff but it's a really good book so <laughs> I highly recommend okay, that one. Okay thanks. So then in, in your years in martial arts, do you have a like a specific philosophy or maybe a, a martial arts quote that you keep coming back to or that you, you really enjoy?
1: Something my sobonym said to me was, don't let it escalate. And that came about, we were we were just messing around after class. We were doing some kind of what we called hot keto sparring. So we, we, we'd uh, do grabs and striking each other and just trying to beat each other up. And he said, don't let it escalate when um, he said, you know, when you're in a physical altercation, it's keeping a cool head. And he said, you know, it's like when you're in an argument argument with somebody and you don't want it to escalate and get and and lose your sense of control. And I was really envious because he's younger than me. And so I thought, wow, I've had to go through breakups and and psychiatric counseling and teaching this type of stuff at work. And here was somebody uh, several years younger than me, who is who is astute enough to realize that you, you one of your most important assets is to keep a cool head when you're in a scary situation or when you're in a confrontation. So I've kept that little mantra over time: don't let it escalate. And and as martial artists, we always have to keep that in mind. Is yes, we we learn how to hurt people pretty badly. And we also have to keep a sense of control too, uh, physically and mentally.
0: Okay. Final kind of two-part question, favorite martial arts TV show and or favorite martial arts movie.
1: Hmm. Favorite martial arts movie. Okay. I'll say uh, one of my favorite martial arts movies is unbuck with oh, nice. Tony Shaw. Nice. And I, I liked learning about Thai culture when I was watching it. Um, you know, they're, they're, it was about a, a village that was was Buddhist, and so I don't know much about that, so I learned about that. And I got into Tony Jaw a little bit later. I'd, I'd watch people like, uh, uh, Michael J. White has the most beautiful sidekicks I've ever seen, and Scott Atkins is a Taekwondo guy, so he's very familiar to me, but I don't know as much about Muay Thai. And Tony Jaw just, he moves like water. His, he, he will fly across a room with his knee and smash into seven people. Um, he has these intense burning eyes. And uh, in fact, we, we, I just watched Ungbok two, So that's on my mind. Um, Ungbok one, I think, is better. <laughs> but um, it, it's not an American style movie. It's it's not a flashy Hollywood. It's it's a different culture. And he is just he is a beast. <laughs> he is a terrifying, beautiful monster.
0: I love the chase scene in Ungbok one that's like mm-hmm. that was all filmed in one take it was just the first time I saw that I had yes. to go back and watch it like five times it was yes. so good that's cool and then what about a uh, martial arts tv series you have a favorite
1: well Cobra Kai was pretty awesome yes it is <laughs> it was it was when I saw season one I thought how is this on YouTube but that this is amazing <laughs> and and season two was really meaningful I was um, watching it with somebody who also had a martial arts background. And, and I was still about a month out of, into knee surgery recovery. And that was really intense. And um, it, that was the weekend. My niece was born um, she was born 12 weeks prematurely. And so I had that on my mind the whole time. And if you've seen season two, you know, it ends in a very emotional way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think Johnny Lawrence and I have a lot of things in common. We have some <laughs> demons we're fighting and then the way he cares about Miguel, the, the, the way this, the teacher cares about the student was very meaningful to me. Um, I know my, my friend and I couldn't look at each other at the end because we'd both cry thinking about some of our students. And I was thinking and worried about my sister-in-law and my niece and that connection to someone that you love so so there's the emotional aspect of it and then also it's very well written and it's really funny and the fight scenes are fun to watch so um yeah i, I enjoyed season three looking forward to season
0: four yeah i got my daughter hooked on that so uh, so i watched it when it first came out and then i watched it again before season two came out and then my daughter got hooked on it before season three so i've watched it now four times so <laughs> i love yeah, i love cobra kai
1: <laughs> i think i've watched it a couple of times too i've, I've not I've only watched season three once, so I'll need to go back and watch that again. But um, I just I love I love that they made Johnny the the kind of anti-hero of the show. He's he's great. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I'm look, definitely looking forward to the next season. I can't wait. It's I don't I, I hate I hate how long apart they are. I know. <laughs> it's the only bad part of them all coming out at one time. Then you have to wait almost a year for another season. But it's depressing. But it's still fun. So I know earlier you mentioned dance movies are kind of a thing of yours. Now have you ever seen the movie Only the Strong?
1: No, I haven't.
0: You might like that. It's a martial arts movie, but it's about the martial art of Capoeira, which is oh, a, interesting. Which is a Brazilian martial art mm-hmm. based on dance. Yeah, it's a um, Mark De stars in it early '90s you know it's a it's a you know cheesy martial arts movie but it's you know a guy who you know, comes into the school to teach martial arts and take on the local drug lord and stuff like that but it's it's uh, the capoeira and it, it's beautiful it's got some really good uh, moves and stuff and you, you might appreciate that as a dancer so.
1: yeah yeah I think I would it was funny because I, I was watching a bad dance movie the other day and they looked like they were doing some capoeira oh really <laughs> yeah they didn't say that's what they were doing but I thought that looks awfully familiar and well, I think that's what you two are doing there's
0: a really bad movie from the 80s called Rooftops it came out in the late 80s starring Jason Gedrick the guy who started an Iron Eagle, which, (laughs) if you've seen Cobra Kai, you know Iron Eagle Mm because it's one of Johnny's favorite movies. But yeah, the same kid starred in that, and it's about capoeira, except they don't call that, they call it combat dancing. And it's it's, it's, it's they and, and they do all these like fight dances on the rooftops in the, in like New York City or something. It's really. Che- I, I remember loving it as a kid, and I went back and watched it as an adult. And I'm like, why did I like this movie?
1: Yeah, so, I think one of my favorite kind of cheesy old ones is is Best of the Best. And I, I, I swear that. we have lock in at my taekwondo school, and I remember crying at the end of it. And I always thought that someone died. And then I went back and watched it recently. <laughs> I thought maybe it was when the brothers reunited or something. And I was just in it. yeah, now I was a really sensitive kid, and I remember hiding in my sleeping bag and sobbing at the end of that movie. But yeah, it, it's delightfully cheesy. They call it karate, but it, it's taekwondo. It's it's very taekwondo. Um, the Korean team is awesome. They're oh yeah, you know they're training out and the doing push-ups in the snow and all kinds of, you know, really hardcore stuff. So uh, I think that's one of my favorite old kind of fun, cheesy martial arts movies. I
0: watched that like once. And I love the part the the fact that the two guys who fight each other in the main fight are brothers in real life. (laughs) So once again, I'm going to mention it's the the blog and the website is littleblackbelt.com. Correct? correct okay yeah and your blog's on there there's link to where you get your books they can get your book on amazon and everything else and i I just want to thank you again this has been a lot of fun it's been cool chatting and learning about your background and and like i said i'll definitely be ordering a copy of that book because my my daughter said she wants to read it so as a good father i will be ordering it
1: (laughs) all right thank you